when you can dial in and say, I'm spending my marketing dollars raising the awareness of the problems that I solve simply for people that are more likely or same or similar to the people that I've serviced in the past, it gets really powerful really quickly. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I've got an exciting, entertaining, and definitely fun one for you today. I've got my man, Dave Carroll. I met Dave on a PJ trip, and I was like, who is this loud, like boisterous dude? And then I started listening to him, and every time he talked, he was spitting fire, guys. So I'm so excited to have have him on the podcast here. He's the owner of Dope Marketing. They're experts on data and laser focus direct mail. Welcome to the show, brother. Doug, I appreciate you, man. Such a, such a warm intro, trying to make me blush on a uh, on a Tuesday morning here. <laughs> I love it, man. Sometimes you just know when you meet someone, you know they're that dude. You know what I'm saying? And so, I felt the same way. It was cool that we were with our wives too, because it yeah. was like the they they met, they hit it off. You and I were around mm-hmm. each other. It was just like uh, very thankful for that trip. When I look back at like you know, I think we've all done a lot of the the masterminds and the groups yeah. and the you know I I got this. I'm in Jesse Itzler's group. We're just wrapping up this year, and and my buddy Doctor Donnell is always joking about I I paid a lot to be friends with you guys, and I always think <laughs> back to those you know those checks we write. To get yeah. in front of people, to get their cell phone numbers, and uh, yeah, very thankful that we got well, and, connected. And and here we are, right? And so, tell me what you've got going on now. You and I were catching up a little bit before we started recording here, but tell me what's going on with you, your business, your family, all the things. Yeah, man. So, uh, family first, like with everything, we just had uh, we said baby number five in uh, in June. Uh, oh, named him man. Kobe. Spelled it right. <laughs> named him Kobe. Starting five, I can't miss. Um, so, <laughs> so that worked out. Every, everyone's uh, happy, healthy. Uh, we're done. Totally done. Five five is enough. We're shopping for Sprinter vans. Um, really, really down. You know, I think a lot of us um, watching, listening is like, we look at our journey as as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as managers, as sales leaders, and this phase in my life, I just, for whenever anyone's watching, it's, I think it's November, right? I just turned uh, 38 last week. And as I go through my mantra right now around like the growth of the, of dope, you know, the company of mine that I'm the most invested in right now is just like, I find myself Doug going back a lot to just being thankful. Like if I really rewind five years ago, 10 years ago, 14 years ago, when I got back into society after getting out of trouble, it was like, if I, I just have to pinch myself sometimes, like really thinking, you know, I, I say like, it's not always about stopping and smelling the roses. It's about realizing that the flowers are growing. Mm-hmm. I've been spending a lot of time in my garden lately, just kind of soaking it in. That's beautiful, man. I love that so much. And I've heard, you know, obviously we, we went over your story whenever we were in Cabo yeah. and uh, it's an amazing story. You know, anytime somebody comes back from stuff like that, I mean, the, the growth that it takes to do it. And then you know that that person is on their shit because everybody slips at some point in their 
life. Sure. You know what I'm Absolutely. saying? Whether you're going to be with them at that point or not is the question. You know what I mean? But you know, you know, you know, you're not going back there, you know? And no, so dude, and it's, we all go through our stuff, right? You got the thing. So like, I don't, for anyone who hasn't heard my story or been around, I, I went to prison right after I turned 21, was in there for four years, uh, grew up just around like really high level drug dealers. I was 17 years old, counting a million dollars in a hotel room. It's all I knew. It's what I grew up around. We were bringing hundreds of pounds, speak about this shit now with statutes of limitations, but like uh, we're bringing like hundreds of pounds back from California to Minnesota since I was a kid. It was all I was exposed to. And what happened is uh, a guy broke into a house I was managing, um, got me for like 150 grand, ended up going to that dude's house. Uh, so someone got hit with a pistol. I got stabbed a couple times. It wasn't wasn't my best night. But as I as I go through, you know, like we all have our story. And I'm never the guy that likes to glorify like the felon entrepreneur. Or the yeah. you know, all that. I think I think we all have our path. We all have the decisions we make. But I look at like, you know, reflecting on, I think about like my kids now and the the conversations my parents were having with me while I was coming up and just being stubborn and not hearing shit and kind of like already, already had, I don't want to say my path figured out for me, but I was, uh, it would have been kind of hard to change my mind um, at 13, 14 years old <laughs> for some of the shit that I was around and exposed to. And I just like, I, I think back to, you know, who we are, the decisions we make, but truly reflecting on the journey of like what got us to where we're at now. And so I don't, I don't like to glorify per se that like, oh, cause you were a drug dealer or cause you did this stuff. It makes you good at sales or marketing or anything. But I think there's a level of self-awareness. And when I really reflect, Doug, is like the most developmental years of a young man's life from 21 mm -hmm. to 25, I was around murderers and violent people and all type, and it's just like it's not an experience i would wish on anyone but as yeah. i get older i really look back on that stuff a lot more probably than i did even in the five ten years of when i got out at the beginning yeah i can imagine and and i i, I agree with you too you know it is way too glorified you know right. way too glorified you know it's not like i go around you know because we all have that not not we all but some of us have those stories of like you know like me and my wife reconciling, you know, totally. there was a reason for all that. So I got to tell that story, right. When it, when it, when it's appropriate, you know, and it makes sense, but I'm not glorifying those days when I was doing all that shit, you know, <laughs> that's the worst version of me, Amen. you know? And so it's not like ex felon entrepreneur or, you know, ex playboy entrepreneur, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like um, it's, it's just entrepreneur. And Absolutely. if, if, if I, if I see a moment where, somebody can learn from my mistakes, then it's on. Yeah. I'm going to tell that story. I think it's so much too about like, you know, when you put yourself in front of whether you're a, a sales trainer, whether you own a company and a product that sells to businesses, whatever it is, it's like transparency creates trust. And when someone sees you, you know, it's one thing to see the talking head and the stuff yeah. online, or you meet someone around a group of people. Mm -hmm. But when you start to get exposed to someone's message and you're like, holy shit, like they're like this all the time. Like this mm -hmm. is them. It brings that, you know, it allows relationships to be expedited. I always say like, you know, 1440, it's the most important number in the world. It's how many minutes we have during a day and relationships are built in the exchange of minutes. What's our most valuable currency. I can't buy more mm -hmm. time. I can't get it back. We all know the cliches, yeah. but when you look at like the minutes you invest in a relationship or the minutes that you give to someone in that exchange, I'm going to let you be yourself. And I'm eventually going to trust you for what you yeah. show me. 
And so, you know, we're in we're in a beautiful day and age with with content, with digital media, which is being able to put things out there or get in front of people that might otherwise, you know, you rewind 20, 30 years ago, it just technology advances the things with with exposure, with branding, with content, with messaging. It just wasn't as possible. And so I think right now, like one of the biggest things to go to, you know, whether it's the the ex playboy, the ex drug dealer, the ex, you know, some yeah. guy that did whatever your story is. I just always appreciate the transparency and the openness when people talk about that stuff. Again, there's one side of it where it's glorifying. And I think that becomes right. a little bit evident, but when it's just someone being like, this is who I am. This is what I've been through. This is what got me to where I'm at now. Those are the stories that I like really, really admire. Yeah. And it provides context because it gets rid of your excuses. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. if, if I can do it, you can do it. You know, whether it's me and my wife reconciling or whether it's you building a, a seven figure business, like you got no excuse, you know, cause, cause so many people were raised in those environments that you, totally. were, you know, or I was, you know? And so, and they, they use it as a crutch, you know, Oh, this is my life. This is who I am. You know? And that's the worst thing. That's the worst thing I've ever heard anybody say is this is who I am. Well, it's just it means you're done. Totally. I think it gets so beautiful, Doug, where it's like the messages that I get and we went, you know, we just launched, our podcast, Dope Conversations with Dave and Friends, it was like two months ago. Awesome. And it's cool to get the messages around like, hey, Dave, I love what you're doing. I love your content. Like, those are all great. And I'm very thankful for it. The messages that really like get me in the tearjerker moment are like, dude, I've been through something similar. And the fact that I heard you share it makes me more comfortable talking about it with people. Or the fact that you put it out there, Dave, it allowed me to give myself the permission to now share that, put it out to the world, whether it's with their employees, whether it's something they talk to their spouse about, maybe it's something that they decided to share in an avenue or said, I've been holding this in and I want to expose it to people. You know, cliche, I'm a data guy. And when I go back to like the cliches in life, it's just like, dude, it's like reading a book. It's not the whole book. It's not every chapter that you're retaining, but that one little gem, when you go to like, you know, can you affect one person's life by telling a story? Or can you, can you give someone that one reason to do something? That's why I love getting on stuff like this. Um, yeah. Because it's like, you don't know what you're going to share. You don't know where the conversation is going to go. But it could be something that truly like someone grabs onto and allows them to take action from it. That's something I'm really, really thankful for. Man, and you have no idea when it happens sometimes because people people are so quiet. Yeah. You know, I, I, I posted the other day. I've been having issues with engagement lately, right? And my my post in my own group was getting like 20 views you know i'm like something's off here you know so i went on my main feed and i was like hey guys you know i'm just talking to my everybody that follows me yeah. it's like hey if i've ever impacted you positively can you do me a solid and drop a like or a comment you know and you know they came through big time like i think it's at like 260 likes now you know 160 comments or something like that but what really like got me was when I was going through the comments, there was people that I had never seen their name before. So my my VA team, if you're in a group with me, a mastermind, whatever the case is, they're going to, to accept your invite no matter what, because we're in a mutual group together. So a lot of these people I haven't even seen before, and they were getting on there talking about how I impacted them. And I didn't even ask for that. And it was just, it was it was so like humbling, sobering, and exciting at the same time. It just made all 250 podcast episodes, all the posting daily, you know, it's just like, oh, I got, you know, I'm doubling down on this shit next year. You know what I'm saying? We're doing more. 
you know, and it, it, and it's that motivation that's not even monetary. It's always crazy. You know, we do a lot of for dope. We do a lot of like trade shows and like public speaking and stuff like that. And it's always so humbling when people are like, dude, I've been watching your kids grow up for years or I, I follow your story and all of that. And it's like, I just go back to what I was saying before. Like we weren't in a world 10 years ago where that was possible nope. and having that opportunity to just be open, to be transparent, to share the journey. And I'm meeting people in person that have like, we've known each other for years and they literally have like, my daughter turns 11 in February and they've like seen her since she was a baby. I love and that. Feel that. Yeah, it's, it's it's a beautiful thing for sure. My my daughter just turned 13, you know, so she's gone through that like pivotal stage, you know what I mean? And I'm not going to say anything more because she's going to get mad at me, but <laughs> you're about to go through all that, man. I feel for you, brother. I feel for you. Dude, it's starting. I mean, like the, you know, pubescent attitudes and things. And again, like for any of those of you that come from like bigger households or whatever, you know, our, our 10 going on 11 year old, she's like a, a second mom in the house. Cause we have, so we have 11, eight, three and a half, two and seven months. And so like, we're very blessed and fortunate. We have help from two nannies that split shifts. Um, we have a lot of help from like family and stuff, but it's like our, our oldest daughter has become like that third parent in the house. Um, and helps out <laughs> Un, un, unpaid yeah, or unsolicited i don't know if she volunteered for it but right right it's nice though because like we can go on date nights now and you know my daughter babysits and and you know does all that stuff we had to wait until like i think it's in the state of texas you got to be 12 years old to babysit your your brothers and sisters or whatever so yeah, we had to wait like, for that yeah, yeah yeah for sure we still like so we live a couple blocks away from the school that our kids go to and we said, you just think back to like when we were kids and like the shit we were, you know, that meme of like, you can see where the kids are at, where all the bikes are outside of the house, like that type exactly. of stuff. Exactly. It's like, yeah. we don't want them to fucking walk two or three blocks away right now. Just like that. The, Dude, how different the world is in that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's fair. It, it has, it's gotten worse. You know, there's too many things. Well, and maybe this is just now there's more information out in the world and you know about it every time it happens. Right. Maybe it happened just as much back then. But yeah, too many, too many kids have been stolen, abused, trafficked. No, thank you. Like Dude, I got a crazy <laughs> story, bro. This, uh, we were at the Orlando airport two weeks ago and someone tried to like human traffic my wife and one of our employees did. So I was running and getting the Turo. Uh -huh. We leave him a baggage claim. I was running to get the Turo. Some guy comes up. It's like this little like Hispanic dude, very like well-spoken, whatever. And he's standing next to him with his phone and they're like, what's up? He's like, just be quiet. I'm a police officer. I'm watching someone over here, just like whatever. And uh, he tries to like show him this little fake ID card and a badge thing. And like, thankfully my wife and Jamie, you know, two women in their late thirties, you know, whatever, well put together, decent looking. And uh, so he's yeah. like, Trying to be like, okay, uh, well, let's just wait here. You guys should just come with me really quick. Just come over here. I got I to gotta bring you in this room and show you something. And they're finally just like, dude, are you trying to human traffic us? Like, what are you talking? And the dude just like scurried off, but like legit, like we kind of laughed about it at first. And we've like had two conversations with it since like that legitimately is out here happening. And it's, it's fucking yeah. terrifying, dude. Like it's scary. Um, so yeah, I don't mean to be. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, no, my 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 kids are at that age where they're like, we want to ride our bicycle or we want to, you know, go down to the corner store. Like we used to, we used to walk two miles to the corner store to get oh. some candy. You know, no, not happening. I'm sorry, it's too easy for somebody to pull up, throw you in the truck, and take whatever. Off, you know, and in especially like in in South Texas, like this is a hotbed of that stuff. So you know, close the whole thing, right? Yep. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, crazy world. Yeah, hundred percent. Crazy, crazy okay. world we live in. So, absolutely. So let's pivot. Let's pivot to your your business a little bit. One of yeah. one of my favorite things about your business is like everybody's getting out of print, and you're like buying up machines and getting into print. You know. So walk us through that. What was the process behind that, and how's it been going since? So Doug, you're a Harvard grad like me, right? We both alumni of of Harvard. <laughs> not quite not quite um but yeah. our friends at harvard they did a study and they told us that it takes seven to eleven touches for a cold consumer to remember a brand for it to be memorable and the average local business is getting two to four touches what's a touch seeing a polo at the gas station, seeing a wrapped vehicle, seeing a yard sign, seeing a Facebook ad, billboard, radio, they're all touches. And a touch has a value. And what we found is like, you know, I've, I've owned a power washing company for 14 years in the Twin Cities. I got into the data business about 10 years ago. So I had some exposure to this stuff, growing businesses, using different marketing channels. What we found is just direct mail is really, really hard to get those touches, to get a mailing campaign out, the design, the tracking the list the setup the post office it can take a month to two months to set up a direct mail campaign and we just saw like that should be easier and so about four years ago i had some experience background with working with software development teams and building products and i was like there's got to be an easier way to do this like a different strategy to where we can send more mail to less people based on data in their business. And so dope, we were kind of joking about this before the call, outside of a word that I say 17 times in every sentence, dope is actually a military term. It stands for data on previous engagement. You need dope for your scope as a sniper to make a decision. My pal, Eric Wynn, I was standing outside a trade show pretending I quit smoking cigarettes like three years ago. And uh, Eric's, <laughs> I got the big red dope hoodie on and Eric's like, hey Bubba, you know what that means? And Eric's like a 17 time decorated sniper, the guy they make like the movies about and shit like that. I'm like, yeah, I think I know what it means. It's probably not what you're saying. And he told me the story um, about dope and what it stands for. And I, I, I gave me his permission to run with it. Um, it, it really ties together what we do. So at dope, um, we can help send uh, laser focused direct mail campaigns targeting like homeowners by home values, square footage of their home, length of residence, credit score, income, children in the household at no minimum order. You can draw a shape on a map and set up targeted campaigns. And instead of like the age old strategies, like from 1985, the year I was born, it's not sending one shotgun blast of 5,000, 10,000 pieces one time and kind of praying it's going to work. We have a strategy at Dope yeah. where you're sending one piece of mail a week for four to eight weeks in a row to truly go back to our alma mater at Harvard and get those touches in the right neighborhood. And so the foundation of our business, I'll tell a quick story. Doug and Doug and Dave went out into a neighborhood in, uh, we're, we're, we're down in Austin, we're in South Texas. And we go, uh, we go, okay, I want to, uh, Dave and Doug wanted to figure out who was the number one real estate agent 
in this neighborhood. We're selling homes. So we go knock on the doors. We go, okay, first house, it's Tim. Tim says, oh yeah, the number one agent, easy. It's the Barry. It's the guy that sold my house. Super simple. Next, next house we get to, Sally. We knock on Sally's door. She says, oh yeah, number one agent, easy. It's my niece, Julie. She's a real estate agent. She sold me my house. Next door we get to, it's Brandon. Brandon says, oh yeah, it's that guy on the radio, the billboards. 200 homes. No consistency whatsoever in who the number one person was in that neighborhood selling homes. So Doug and Dave go back to the office. We get a brilliant idea. We make up a fake company, Sun Title Real Estate, fake logo, fake brand, fake company. We never sold a house. And we sent one postcard a week to those 200 homes for eight weeks in a row talking about what we do, how we help, what we sell, whatever. Doug, you're a smart guy. What did 65% of the homeowners in those 200 homes after eight weeks say the number one real estate company was in that neighborhood? Your fake one. It's a fake company, Sun Title Real Estate. This is actually a case study that <laughs> Keller Williams did back in 1987 that has now come back. There was a guy that like put this on TikTok last year or something. And we, we run with it. We explain it because it works. Mm -hmm. The idea is go back to like pre-COVID when you knew the dentist the insurance agent, the restaurant, because they had a postcard in your mailbox every week, all that advertising went away. And so yeah. where dope helps businesses is we connect either with our, our neighborhood blitz tool. We let them set up targeting in neighborhoods based on only the people they want to get in front of based on their industry. It could be solar. It could be mm -hmm. roofing, it could be HVAC, it could be whatever. The other thing we do is we connect with CRMs. So when you mark a job approved, that can start to trigger those drips. The neighbors of your approved job is going to get one postcard a week for four weeks in a row. Hey, we just got your neighbor approved for a new roof. Pardon the dust, pardon the noise. We're working in the area. Here's a recent project we completed. Hey, we're wrapping up. Here's a last time offer in your neighborhood. We make all of that happen automatically with no minimum order. No, and it's killer because I've been a client before for my, my solar business, you know? Yeah. And when you when you do door to door, you're looking at penetration rates. So, uh, you know, maybe in cable, you're at like a four to six penetration rate in a neighborhood uh, in solar. It's like one to two percent. It's a much, you know, yep. higher ticket product. And so it, it's a little harder to sell. You got to qualify for um, credit and all that stuff. So whenever we you know, we're just doing our normal door to door with no marketing, we were at about two percent you know, which was yep. decent. Right. And then once we started using y'all system, uh, we were able to bump that to 4% over the next couple of months, you know, which yep. equated to, it must've been, you know, it had to be at least, you know, you figure about say 70 K per, per deal. So that that's an extra, um, what is it? 120 to 140 K per week. That, uh, for a neighborhood that we were, I mean, it's, it's massive, you know, substantial and, and it goes because we prime the neighborhood. The, the idea is like, again, yeah, I'm prime being a data guy rolling the stats out. It's like three to 7% of your ideal customer is looking for exactly what you have right now. The other 93 to 97%, they just don't know what's going on. People are busy. They're mm -hmm. getting their kids to school. They're working. They're holidays. They're just their life. You go back to like billboard advertising because that's what I consider postcards. They're tiny little billboards in the mailbox. In the days of buying billboards, you could say, I'm going to buy a billboard on Smith Avenue because this many people are going to drive by it. 
But when you think about these touches and just that raising awareness in neighborhoods where you're already doing something right, like the data in your business can tell a story. If you go back into your CRM, doesn't matter what it is. It's Sarah, it's job Nimbus, it's Acculinks, it's House Call Pro, it's Service Titan, it's whatever HubSpot, Salesforce. If you simply look at the jobs that you did last year and the addresses where you were doing jobs and you put those on the pins on a map, the data in your business will tell a story of where you're doing a good job somewhere where we have strategies. We have these cheeky little names like sweet spots is one of our strategies. We go back to last mm -hmm. quarter Q4 mm -hmm. last year. We look at every job you did. We look at the heat pockets of the neighborhoods and we just get you in front of more same or similar people. So if your average customer was, you know, the house was built in 2005 to 2010, it's over 3,500 square feet. The average house is worth more than 400 grand. They've lived there for more than two years. You take that data and you simply put your marketing message in front of more people that match the criteria of your current jobs because the data will just show you that logically you'll see consistencies in your business. It's hard to lean into that stuff sometimes. And so we go into the D in dope, into the data. That's one of our big focuses mm -hmm. is truly like popping the hood and simply looking at like, we don't want to have a bunch of different new ideas for your business. We want to lean into where you're doing things right. And how can we add more touches in the right places to raise that awareness, to increase that three to 7% similar to the example you were talking about with your solar company, where it was just, it's not like we came up with something yeah. new or different. We just got you in front of more same or similar people that were more likely to have the same problem. Absolutely. And, uh, it Every time you say it, like getting to the data, you know, I'm like, man, it, it makes me want to create a t-shirt and on the front, talk to me data. <laughs> you know talk what I mean? Data, like I, right? I am, I'm a big data guy too. You know, yeah. when I look at a sales program uh, and I look at the results, I look at the controllable actions and the results from those controllable actions, you know, that's where all the training goes in order to move those numbers, you know? And, and, and that's how you evaluate the situation on the, on the back end. And when you put marketing in a well-built sales program together, it's, it, it becomes very electric. So I love it. Uh, you know, you just dropped it, dropped a huge asset on the listeners. Where, where can they go to basically look at the system, look at what you guys offer and, and execute on that? So we're, we're pretty easy to find online. Uh, dope marketing. It's funny if you, sometimes if you search us on Facebook, you'll get this little pop-up, like you may be searching drug activity or behavior. It's not that it's just us at dope. So don't let <laughs> Facebook throw you off. Um, dope marketing on every, any channel platform, anywhere you can find us. I'll be the, the bald guy yelling and smoking and swearing about direct mail on the internet. <laughs> I love it so much. Awesome. What are you excited about right now? What's next for you guys? So there's a couple things that we're working on going to the, the touches. So we, we, there's a lot that we don't do at dope. We're not a Facebook SEO, LinkedIn, TikTok, landing page website. We don't do any of that stuff. But one thing we're really excited about adding going into Q1, when you set up a direct mail campaign, we're going to make it. So you just have to click a button and you're going to be able to show display ads on all the different audience networks. So it's not like strategic Google ads, nothing like that, but your fantasy football, your local news sites, going back to those impressions, back to the Harvard stuff. So we're gonna make it so every postcard you send through the system has a combined digital touch 
that with a click of a button, everyone on your mailing list for that campaign or that month will now be getting followed around online by the same thing they're seeing in the postcard. So like consistency creates trust. We were talking about this a little bit at the beginning of the call with like the transparency. When someone sees the mm -hmm. same message over and over, it used to only be companies like Home Depot that could do, you know, you, you, you check your mailbox, you got a Home Depot thing. You, you, you're driving on the freeway, you see a billboard, you go, you're in the parking lot, they've slipped something in your windshield. You got, it's all over the place, but that took $10 million. You get, you get home and the lawnmower you're looking at is following you around on your cell phone or whatever. Um, I think the idea of, as we go into, you know, I was on, I was on a podcast earlier in the week. We we're talking about like the block and tackle going into 2024 belts are tightening up economies. That's where it's at. We have an election coming. We all know that's going to get fucking squirrely. Having the ability to truly say I work in a neighborhood and I want to focus on getting more work from people, same or similar. So it's one thing Dave and Doug live next door to each other. And we probably, there's some things that we know when anyone that's bought a home or it lives in a neighborhood that's watching or listening, the idea is like, think about the demographics that are available when you buy a house, you know, the average age of the people in the neighborhood, you know, the average value of the home in the neighborhood, probably the average amount of kids per household. So there's some consistencies. Now, those things don't necessarily mean that Dave and Doug need the same shit or that we're hanging out every weekend or that we're borrowing the lawnmower or a cup of sugar or hanging out in the cul-de-sac or whatever. But go to the logic around like these houses in these neighborhoods, especially for anyone in home service. And I'm talking solar, cable, canvassing, pest control, like any of that type of stuff. Think about the fact that these homes were built around the same year of probably the same materials by probably the same builder or the same group of builders. So when we get into like homeowners are predictable creatures, Americans are predictable creatures, but there's 350 million Americans, 90 million of us are homeowners. Fair to say that like, you know, what's the American dream? It's buying a home, right? Like that's the, the white picket fence, mm -hmm. the whole thing. And so when you get into like the targeting of homeowners, those 90 million people the same or similar problems that they have in your area. So nine out of 10 of those 90 million people, the number one financial transaction they will make in their life is the financial exchange of money for that home, that a couple hundred thousand million dollars, whatever it is that they buy that home for. The second, third, and fourth biggest investment that that homeowner will make in their life, it's not braces, it's not a car, it's not vacation, it is maintenance, improvement, or upkeep to that property. And so when you truly look at like mm -hmm. the year is going to get crazy next year, leads are going to lead, lead cost is going to go up. Quantity of leads is going to go down. People are tightening their belt on expenses. When you can dial in and say, I'm spending my marketing dollars, raising the awareness of the problems that I solve simply for people that are more likely or same or similar to the people that I've serviced in the past, it gets really powerful really quickly, Doug, whether it's a sales manager, a business owner, whatever, to use the data in their business simply based off the conversions, the jobs that they sold or built or did last year to help make more of those predictive decisions. And so when we look at like 
Where does dope? Where does our do we got a bunch of free content around this stuff? People don't even have to pay us to get on. We got training courses, yeah. content, all that. It's like we really lean into the fact that it's not about reinventing the wheel, especially going into a year like next year. It's truly identifying what are you, your sales team, your marketing team, like what are you doing well? And how do you identify allocating your marketing dollars and more, even more valuable, your marketing minutes about the content you're putting out, the problems you're talking about, the things that you solve, why you started your business, getting that message in front of same or similar people. And again, it's not a dope sales pitch, but like going into the logic around really focusing on the touches through all of your advertising channels in the neighborhoods you're currently working in. That's our number one focus at dope. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's education marketing, right? As soon as you start doing those numbers, going through your CRM, pulling those numbers and realizing the trends and then mapping them out. I mean, it's, 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 it's massive. And then if you could have a consistent database that speaks marketing to you while you're doing it, which is, is, is very similar to y'all system for a reasonable fee, which it is incredibly reasonable when you think about the ROI on it. Um, I, I think that's huge, you know, but yeah, more than anything, it's, it's bringing awareness to like, Hey, this stuff works. You don't need the magic pie in the sky service or coach or consultant or whatever the case is like go into your data, dive into your data. I know you're not a data guy, you know, uh, whoever this business owner is that I'm talking to right now, the listener, I know you're not a data guy, but try it out. You might like it. You might make more informed decisions. You know, and so I think it's huge that you're walking us through that and the strategy behind that. It's massive. All right, last question. What does legacy mean to you, and what legacy do you want to leave behind? So I think that I think about this a lot lately. You know, we we're talking about earlier in the call around like the journey. Um, I think for mm -hmm. me right now, the legacy that I think about are the habits that I that I watch my kids picking up without me trying. So like, uh, I've gotten into, you know, we gave up, uh, me and my wife gave up drinking. It'll be two years in March of next year. We're like 20 months in or something like that. Congrats, man. And I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Um, been a beautiful journey, beautiful, beautiful journey. And for me, it was like, I really got into wellness. Um, I was actually, my, my nurse was here. I was getting an IV right before the call. I become like an avid runner. I found that like the hard stuff that I like to do. And I thought in my wellness journey, like the legacy was like, I'm going to get better. I'm going to be a better person. But the most beautiful thing that I see, Doug, my legacy, what I'm leaving behind with my kids, I get down here and it's kind of a pit right now, but our home gym over here is like, I get down there and work out and my eight-year-old and my three-year-old are downstairs doing push-ups, or we have a cold plunge outside my three-year-old has a, like one of those bucket totes. He'll go sit in it, put the blanket back. I'm in my cold plunge. It's these things like that modeling of the behavior of just the things that I'm doing as, as a husband, as a father, as a, as a business partner, as a manager, the things that I see that are my kids are picking up on just by watching the positive things that I'm doing when I think about legacy, when I think about the things that I'm proud on or what I'm leaving behind is like, I didn't grow up around this stuff. You know, I grew up in a pretty, you know, crazy, wild, kind of abusive household. And like, for me, 
seeing uh, seeing my kids picking up on the good things that I'm doing, the things that I'm not even putting in front of them on purpose. Like I'm just doing them. When I think about legacy, it really like it really speaks to me around, you know, it's one thing to lead by example as a manager in your business. But for any of you parents out there, you know, it's these cliches again, those little creatures that, uh, you know, the practice with our with our spouse, the practice is always fun. But these, these little people that we that we raise now coming from that, it's like just watching the things, their little sponges and the things they pick up on. And I think I think about some of the conversations that me and my father had when he would come see me when I was in prison. And some of the questions he asked me, like, David, what made you think that it was okay to go pick up a gun and hurt somebody? And I was just like, how do I lead, you know, to never have to have, I'm not saying it's never going to happen or my kids aren't going to get in any type of trouble, but just like, I'm really proud of the legacy I'm leaving behind for my children. Uh, just kind of leading by example. I couldn't agree more. I think it's massive, man. I mean, it, we, there's, I, I get some complicated answers, you know, and I love how simple yours because it's just like mine. It's, it's very built on values. It's very built on what can I pass on to them that is going to benefit them in their lives and so on and so forth. 100%. My name will never be mentioned again, but those values will keep on going. We'll keep on going, brother. Absolutely, bro. Dave, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. We had some technical difficulties over here. The power went out on me and it's back on now, thankfully, because I got back-to-backs all day. But it brought a ton of value, man, and I can't thank you enough for coming on. Appreciate you having me, brother. You guys are killing it. Keep up the good work. All right, let's get building. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We sure do appreciate it. As always, be sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. Don't forget to join our Facebook group, Building Great Sales Teams, so you can get daily tips on how to get your sales team built brick by brick. We'll see you there.